0: Today marks our uh, third and final week in the sermon series about our path to discipleship. Pastor Milton kicked us off a few weeks ago talking about the importance of being plugged in and getting connected to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about um, the way we put our faith into action by serving others. And today we are going to talk about the importance of growing in community. Will you please stand and join me for our scripture reading? Today's text comes from the letter to First Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning in the 12th verse. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. We pray with me. O oh Lord, open our minds and our hearts to the movements of your spirit so that we may hear how you are speaking to us this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be accepting and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have always loved music, especially making music with others. For as long as I can remember, I've sung in choirs at church and been a part of music groups from fourth grade through high school and all the way through college. Some of my most special and cherished memories are those moments where I played in the band and sang in the choir and was part of high school musical theater productions. Something special occurs when you're part of a musical ensemble. Those powerful and soul-touching moments when the music sends an almost electric feeling through your body Sometimes that comes in the rehearsal and sometimes during a great performance. But it's not always the music that uplifts and inspires us. It's also the joy and the pride of belonging to a tight-knit, life-changing community and the experience of being something, part of something that is bigger than ourselves. As I was preparing for today's sermon, I was particularly reflecting on my high school marching band experience. Like so many of our youth today, we had to be there at the crack of dawn. It was still dark outside. In fact, my senior year, I was the one that had to go flip the switch and turn on the lights in the parking lot so that we could see where to be. And there are all those drills, learning the fundamentals, left, right, left, right, learning to stay in step and learning to move together as a single unit. Whether we were trying to make a perfect straight line or a beautiful arc, It didn't matter. My position was always relevant to the position of the other people around me on the field. If somebody was absent, it made it hard to know where to stand. All those rehearsals, practicing the moves again and again and again and again, so that all the different elements could be perfectly in sync. Working together for a common purpose and a shared goal of bringing the music to life through the sounds of all the different instrumental sections blending together, but also through the visual elements of the show as we marched and made patterns and forms on the field, and through the color and the artistry and the costumes and the dance and the twirls of the flags adding to the effect. It took all of us working together to do our best to make that performance whole and complete. I remember very much the thrill and the chill of those sounds when the powerful brass reverberated through my body when the music finally hit its climax. And then the swelling pride and that deep sense of accomplishment as that final note echoed through the stadium and the audience erupted in cheers and applause. Those marching band days may be over, the memories and the feelings are still there and they immediately come back when I go to a football game and watch our young people today perform. Those of you who sang in a choir or maybe played on sports teams or thespians and dancers probably know what I'm talking about. You've had similar experiences, right? You know what it means to belong to such a special group and learn those valuable life lessons. Lessons about commitment and dedication. Dedication. Hard work, practice, and repetition, coordination and teamwork, perseverance through challenge and difficulty and a loss, patience and passion, and always striving to do your best, not for your own sake, but for the sake of the whole group and the whole team. So you're always encouraging others to do their best, also. There's something about this kind of experience, this communal life, that becomes just a part of who you are, and it never leaves just as you too are a part of that group. Once a band member, always a band member. It seems to me that in our text today, Paul wants to remind us that the church can be a similar kind of community. We are shaped by our life together. We have shared values and common commitments. We learn and grow together and we nurture one another as we strive towards that mutual goal of becoming more and more like Jesus. The life of discipleship is something that we cannot do alone. Paul writes this letter to the newly established church in Thessalonica, a church that he himself had helped to start. The Thessalonians had responded to the gospel with tremendous enthusiasm. They'd begun the life of the Christian journey with lots of energy and early success. So much so that as Paul writes this letter, he says, Others are telling me about your good deeds. Their influence had spread widely because they were contagious Christians. But as he writes this letter, he fears that that newness is beginning to wear off, that they're starting to experience the difficulty of following Jesus and pursuing the Christian life, especially amidst the increased resistance to the Christian way of living in the midst of their own community and their own culture and their own families. And then there's that dryness of faith that comes with those day-to-day temptations and challenges and struggles. Some of us can relate, can't we? We know that feeling of apathy or hopelessness or maybe not really caring about the church anymore. We may even be at a similar point in our Christian journey right now. Yes, we took with joy that first step choosing to follow Jesus, maybe at our baptism, maybe at our confirmation, maybe in joining a church, but that initial spark and fire is beginning to go out. Some of us may have lost our sense of our need for God, and we've lost our enthusiasm and joy for the Christian life. Others of us may have be struggling to find a sense of purpose and place within the church. Some of us are simply getting overwhelmed with all of life's challenges demands for our time, and we just let ourselves drift away from God and the Christian community. We sincerely want to grow as disciples, but there are so many temptations and distractions that pull us away from living a life focused on Christ. And sometimes we discover that discipleship is costly, that Jesus asks us to make uncomfortable choices and personal sacrifice. And that's not so easy. And Paul challenges us to remember that it is times like these that we need the church the most. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and to us as a father or a trusted mentor would write to a beloved child or favorite student with lots of love and compassion. He wants to encourage the community of faith and remind them of the beauty and the blessing that they have in one another. You may not know this, but that word encourage more, means more than just a sort of champion or cheerlead. It comes from a French word, encore, to put the heart in. Paul wants to put the heart back in our discipleship. And he reminds us that God intentionally knit us together and made us brothers and sisters in Christ, into the body of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit for this purpose. It's the image of the church at its best. Working, as C.S. Lewis says, to make little Christ, to make disciples of Jesus. Paul knows that if we are to really dedicate our lives more completely to Christ and to become more like Jesus, blameless and without sin, full of worship and love for God and love for others, then we absolutely need mentors mentors teachers and cheerleaders and fellow travelers who will watch over us in Christian love, who will warn the disorderly, comfort the discouraged, and help the weak. Jesus calls us to be both fully human and to be holy. But if we want to become holy people, we need to surround ourselves with holy. Paul continues by saying that the life in the Christian community is characterized by praise and by prayer and thanksgiving in all things and at all times. And it's open to the movements and the inspirations of the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need teachers and guides, experienced Christians who will love and care about us, who will help us learn how to pray, who will teach us to read and make sense of the Bible, and who will model the way of Jesus through their witness and their example. We need safe places to come together and be honest about our challenges and confess our sins and experience genuine forgiveness so that we can learn from our struggles and move on, learning to hold fast to all that is good and to restrain from all evil. We need people who will humbly correct and challenge us and call us back when we stray from the path to discipleship. Growing in community, is an essential part of Christian life. Worship, Bible studies, and covenant groups all provide this compass-like orientation, this nurture and the accountability that we all so desperately need in our journey of faith. Like many of you, I would not be here without countless faithful Sunday School leaders, prayer partners, faithful mentors and spiritual leaders and all of the fellow Christians who have walked with me through the ups and downs of my life. Just a few examples of how the church has made a difference for me. When I was in college and my husband Steve and I were still just dating, Steve became very sick. He was in the hospital and there was even a point at which the doctors told us he only had a few days to live. It's a very scary time for two 20-something year olds. And it was our Wesley Foundation friends, our community of faith in college, who gathered around us, who sat with us in the hospital waiting room day and night, who prayed for us and who brought us meals, who ensured that we were not alone and did not give up on our faith during a difficult time. Later, it was through a covenant group that I was first introduced to the um, practice of fasting. Very few Christians today really take fasting Seriously. But John Wesley says it's a means of grace. I had never fasted before, and it's definitely not something I ever would have taken on by my own. So, this group, people who had been on that journey before me, committed to practicing fasting together. We chose to fast on the same day and at the same time so that we knew we were not alone in our struggles and temptations in that day. And then, when it came time to eat a meal, instead of eating, We gathered together in prayer and Bible study. And we pooled the money that we would have spent buying food and instead gave it to the homeless to feed them. And then we broke our fast late that night around a shared meal together. I came away with a deep, embodied, and experiential understanding of the value of fasting in the Christian life. And I learned so much more from those friends than I ever could have gotten from learning about fasting by reading from a book or trying it on my own. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians reminds us that the body of Christ, that the church, is a gift through which God's grace and the Holy Spirit can work in us and through us as we strive together to grow on the path to discipleship. Brothers and sisters, People long to each other, and this church needs you. Together we can do and be more than any of us could ever achieve on our own. The good news of Christ's gospel is the promise that we can learn to live holy lives and that we can actually become more like Jesus. Jesus together we will stir and provoke one another to greater love for God, love for others, and love for our world. We gather not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of the benefit of the other Christians who gather with us and need us. We give and we serve as well as receive in the community of faith. I am blessed by your presence, by your prayers, by your wisdom and your insight. And I know that God can and we'll bless each of you in that same way through our shared life here together at Sun Creek. And so I invite you to join me in our discipleship challenge to grow in community during this next year. Together we can strive for lives that are characterized by praise and prayer and thanksgiving. We'll encourage one another to become more like Jesus and live faithfully as his disciples and His representatives. In as we enter this last week of our 30-day challenge, take a moment and reflect on your discipleship journey so far. How celebrate that growth and the progress that you have made since you first began, whether it was as a young child or as an adult. How have you increased in your knowledge of God or your understanding of Scripture, your love of community, How has your own personal relationship with Jesus been deepened and how have you been able to serve others? Celebrate. Imagine God looking upon you and experience Christ's delight in all that you have done and all you have already become in his name. The ways that you have both received and given to the community of faith. Next, name and give thanks for all those mentors and teachers and companions who have been part of your path to discipleship. Those who have gotten you through the tough times and those who have celebrated with you in your highest moments. And rejoice in God's love made real to you through them. And finally, prayerfully consider how the example of Christ our Lord challenges you to more faithful living or to greater commitment and service in the body of Christ what more can you do for God in your everyday living what is your next step after the service we will have volunteers out in the narthex to talk to you about this journey about ways you can get involved you can pick up a brochure if you haven't already gotten one There's some listings about upcoming classes and opportunities to grow in your faith and places to serve in the life of our church. Next week on Sunday morning, when you come to worship, you're going to be handed a discipleship action card. We're going to ask you to complete that and to put that in the offering plate. Those are going to be collected up. And your church is going to pray for you on that journey. And we will make sure that your name gets to those people that can connect you and walk with you and support you as you take that next step your journey.